five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. This is the SpaceCube Podcast. SpaceCube produces more than just this podcast. I encourage you to visit our website at spacecube.ca to check out the latest news and original stories written by myself and our other writers. We cover the space sector in Canada, along with select international stories, including new space. We also publish a newsletter with the latest stories from ourselves and other trusted sources, along with some information and analysis that you won't find on our website. For more coverage of the global space sector and the U.S., please visit our affiliate sites, spaceref.com, nasawatch.com, and astrobiology.com. If you like what we do, then please support us on Patreon. Our Patreon address is patreon.com slash Space Q. We need your support to keep producing this podcast and writing original, impactful stories. My guest this week is Kate Howells. Kate works at the Planetary Society as their global community outreach manager. In her role as outreach manager, she has built up and manages a global network of volunteers who do educational outreach in their communities and develops volunteer activities that support the Planetary Society's goals and strategic vision. She is also a member of the Government of Canada's Space Advisory Board. Welcome, Kate, to the Space Q Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Hi. Our audience might not be familiar with you and your work. Briefly tell us a bit of your background and how you became to be the Global Community Outreach Manager at the Planetary Society. So I got involved in the space business first by um, studying space policy at um, the George Washington University's Space Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. They have a a wonderful, wonderful master's program that I recommend to anybody who's interested in space policy. Um, I personally discovered that space policy was not my preferred focus and got very, very interested in space education and space outreach. Um, So I wound up actually leaving that program before finishing the degree. But at that time, I was starting to get involved with the Planetary Society. Um, So they are a nonprofit organization based in the United States, but active around the world, um, funded by their members, of which there are about a bit over 50,000 right now, founded by Carl Sagan, Bruce Murray, and Louis Friedman. So I was a big Sagan head um, as an undergrad. And kind of his work is really what got me interested in space in the first place. So when I had an opportunity to start volunteering with the Planetary Society, I was extremely excited about it. So I got involved with them first as a volunteer, um, sort of acting as their representative and liaison in Canada because they were interested in getting more involved in um, in the Canadian space community here and trying to find out what kind of programming they could have here, how we could do work that's relevant in Canada. So I got involved first as a volunteer with them and then eventually was hired on. So now I wear a bunch of different hats at the Planetary Society under the official title, Global Community Outreach Manager. Um, I manage the Society's volunteer network, which has volunteers all around the world who mostly do community outreach. So going out into into their communities, um, teaching people about space, organizing lectures, 
connecting with universities and science centers and astronomy clubs and that kind of thing. Um, and I am working on developing a youth education program with the Planetary Society. So this is looking to connect with teachers and students um, to inspire uh, an interest in space and science learning um, in kids. So we're really in the early stages of developing that, but it's lots of fun, very promising. Um, and then finally, I still act as the Planetary Society's uh, point of contact and sort of coordinator in Canada. So um, that is a uh, difficult to define position, but basically I represent the society at um, national space, con space conferences and um, in the Canadian space community. And I'm always looking for ways that we can uh, expand our outreach activities, our communications, our advocacy, um, all of these sort of actions in Canada. And how long have you been doing this in Canada? Since 2014, so oh. about four years now. Okay. And how are things going with uh, uh, building up uh, the Planetary Society in, in Canada? How many members do you have here, do you, do you know? In Canada right now, we have just under 3,000 members, so it's about 5.5% of our total membership is in Canada. And it's the second biggest group that we have um, after the United States. So the vast majority of our members are American, and then Canada is second. That's actually a really uh, sizable number, and uh, um, I used to be one of those members, but I'd let my membership uh, lapse, uh, lapse uh, a while ago. But we'll get to that in a second, because um, there's an, actually a reason. Um, mm. So 3,000, that would probably make you the largest uh, advocacy group in Canada, wouldn't it? I believe so. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, I know that we have been... Uh, the largest advocacy group or space advocacy group, yes. Yeah, I mean, we've got the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, but mm -hmm. it's not really an, an advocacy group per se. Mm -hmm. um, so in May of 2017, you posted a blog post on the Planetary Society website talking about the Society's Canadian initiative. That effort, in part, was focused on restoring the Canadian Space Agency educational and public outreach program. And as I've mentioned in probably in past podcasts and certainly written about it on, on my website when the Conservative government uh, zeroed out the budget for, for the uh, EPO at the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, I was just scratching my head going, what are they thinking? So how is that initiative going uh, that you started? Well, it is difficult to say because at this point, um, you know, as we've seen with the, the latest budget that came out, um, there is not new money for space and there is not a you know a reinstated education and public outreach department within the CSA but um it's something that we're continuing to push for I'm I'm fortunate enough to have this role with the space advisory board where I have um an opportunity to actually really push for particular um initiatives so education and outreach is something that I'm going to continuously be emphasizing as an extremely important part of a space program. Um, right now, I, I think there are, are bigger fish to fry uh, for the Canadian space sector in terms of kind of what our advocacy priorities might be. But I am very aware that education and outreach is something that can easily slip off the table um, when there are big issues like, um, you know, the overall health of the space industry and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I've definitely have my eye on this as something to continue pushing for, to continue advocating for. Yeah, and um, 
it's also hard to find out what kind of money or uh, is being mm-hmm. spent at the Canadian Space Agency on their EPO outfit, e- mm-hmm. education, public outreach, out, uh, outreach, because, well, <laughs> there's no set budget and they are finding money within the program where they're taking little bits here, little bits there, but, you know, and we do see them active, uh, uh, you know, primarily on, on social media these days. Um, and also, uh, I'll also point out that the, you know, their new departmental plan just came out for the 20th, uh, uh, 18, 19 year. Uh, and the Canadian government has totally reorganized how these debar- departmental plans are actually designed and, and um, provided to the public. And it's really ironic because their whole mandate, or not their whole mandate, but part of their mandate was, you know, uh, we're going to improve transparency. And if you actually take a look at it, it's actually, in my opinion, at this point, it's actually more difficult to find out Mm-hmm. where the money is actually being spent and what it's being spent on. Um, I've actually been going back and forth with the, the CSA on trying to get some of those numbers and, you know, stuff is, you know, they say, well, you have to look at the treasury board because that's where everything's being organized now. And the information isn't even updated with uh, a breakdown by program of, of what's going to be happening in this current year. So it's, it's, it's uh, uh, perplexing. And uh, anyway, they, they're not making yeah. it easy. Um, I, I would definitely agree that transparency is not has never, as far as I've seen, has never been the Canadian government's forte, and it does make advocacy more difficult because it's hard to tell whether the things that you're advocating for are happening, and it's hard to tell where the pressure points are and um, how best to to make an impact. Uh, one thing I will say though is that despite not having an education and public outreach department within the CSA. I'm very impressed with the educational activities that they do conduct and that they have planned coming up this year. Um, I got a bit of a sneak peek at some of the um, of the outreach activities that are coming up um, from the CSA, uh, particularly surrounding um, David Saint-Jacques' mission on the ISS, um, the OSIRIS-REx launch, the radar sat constellation mission. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great activities being planned and considering it's all being done by the communications department and other departments that have their own, uh, responsibilities and they're not, not specifically EPO focused. I'm, I'm really amazed and impressed at how much they're able to accomplish and really creative outreach kind of activities. So as much as I would still continue to advocate for a focused education and public outreach, um, department within the CSA, I still am very pleased with the amount of outreach being planned and being conducted. Right. So, uh, you know, in Canada at the moment, the space community feels a little lost with Mm -hmm. how the government is moving forward with a new space strategy and a long-term space plan. We were supposed to have the new space strategy unveiled last June. Uh, Then most people expected something to happen by budget time. Uh, Nothing happened. Um, do you have any insights as to why the government is moving so slowly on this issue? Any thoughts? I think, the, well, the impression that I've gotten is that uh, it is a slow process to get all of government to buy into a new initiative. So um, the initiatives that were in the uh, the budget that was just released are things that have been in the pipeline for a long time and have, you know, their their advocates have had... Uh, a lot of work to do in getting everyone on board. And I think we are just a couple steps behind in that, even though we've been working on this 
for over a year, that still isn't that much time in terms of making government-wide initiatives reality. So I'm still absolutely optimistic that um, a, a, a space strategy is going to come together and that funding will turn up. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, waiting waiting our turn and, you know, being pushy for it and, you know, not just quietly waiting, but um, sort of I think the reality of just how long these things take is, is hitting us right now. And it's unfortunate because there are decisions that need to be made immediately if Canada is going to be involved in, you know, major international um, space exploration initiatives, if we're going to um, sustain our industry and, um, you know, you can't can't be too patient, but at the same time, I think the reality of what the what the space community was asking for and what um, uh, I said was asking for uh, is something that is just going to take a little while to get moving. I think you're being very generous to the government on this <laughs> on this particular well, issue because I, I you know I've been covering the space sector for a while now, and uh, during the conservative years. Um, you know, you you could tell that, you know, they didn't really care very much. Uh, and everybody had certain expectations when the liberal government came to power. Uh, and I think they are justified expectations considering, you know, you had Mark Garneau uh, as a mm -hmm. member of parliament, the senior cabinet minister and a former president of the Canadian Space Agency, an astronaut at the, you know, the big table, as it were. And here we are, third budget into the government, and, you know, the community is still waiting. So here's mm -hmm. a question for you, because this about has nothing to do with industry, but has a lot to do with the advocacy side of things. Um, the one thing that I've noticed, and, and, you know, the Planetary Society, to its credit, primarily in the U.S., obviously, has done a great job of getting its message out there and getting people organized and, in particular, getting their message heard in Washington, okay? Mm -hmm. In Canada, we don't have that. As a matter of fact, we have different uh, advocacy groups, whether it's Canadian Space Society, your Planetary Society, uh, and others, says Canada, why is it that in Canada we can't seem to bring together these different groups to come up with a cohesive, unified messaging uh, platform or a coordinated national advocacy plan to, to you know, basically to, to get into the government's domain and say, hey, you know, this is what Canadians think? That's a great question. And I don't have a solid answer for you of why that hasn't happened yet. Um I do absolutely agree that um, one of the things that the Planetary Society does really well in the United States is bring together a lot of different voices and get the same message with all of those voices heard by government. So it's sort of this power in numbers thing of if everybody's shouting the same thing at government, they're more likely to hear it than if it's this, you know, sort of chaotic uh, mess of different messages being uh, being communicated from different groups. Um, I think in Canada, it would be absolutely beneficial to have more coordination amongst these different advocacy organizations um, to get on the same page. I think everybody was really hopeful um, that the Space Advisory Board was going to provide that um, 
that platform for a unified message. And that, what, I mean, before I was actually a member of the board, I uh, participated in the um, consultation in Montreal where I live. And, um, you know, the energy in the, in the room was so optimistic because everyone was saying, okay, this is, this is going to be the time that we actually all put our voices together and we all come up with, you know, the key recommendations and we put those forward. I think that the limitation is that the space advisory board is, is not, quite in the right position to really hammer on government with these sort of messages from the community that are, that might be unified. I think that the board um, has a lot of um, real opportunity to strategically influence the government, but not in the same way as, uh, as a outside advocacy organization would. So if there were some kind of slightly farther removed organization that could bring together the the interests of every everyone in, in the space community in Canada and really um, push forward a unified message, I think that would make a big difference. Um, and I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. That's, from what I've seen in the in the space advisory board consultations, it's not it's not that difficult to get everyone on the same page for the most part, especially in this time of almost crisis in the Canadian space community. Um, you know, it's it, people can kind of put aside their differences, you know, different particular niche interests and and really get behind the same message. So um, I would love to see something like this come together. So are you the basically the lone uh, paid representative of the Planetary Society in Canada? I'm not the only staff member in Canada. But I am the only representative in Canada. We have a, we have another contractor who does web work with us. He's based in Canada. But um, in terms of focusing on advocacy and focusing on representing the organization, yes, I am the only one. So this is another. This has been, you know, I think, the primary limitation of what the Planetary Society has been able to accomplish in Canada so far. Is you know we don't have a whole staff. Um, in the years that I've been working with the society, I, I have spent a lot of that time really trying to learn what uh, what the role of the organization might be able to be here. Um, and and that, that has been a slow process in part because of the lack of transparency in the Canadian government. So finding out, you know, who makes the decisions, how those those people can be influenced, what are the what are the factors that they're really weighing at this time? I mean, a lot of that information is not easily accessible. So um, it, it's really hindered the progress of the Planetary Society in, in building up a really strong advocacy program in Canada. Um, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity for us to grow. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, prioritization within the society's other activities, which we have we have too many for what we can reasonably accomplish. So uh, there was a reason why I asked that particular question, and, and that was, I mean, I sort of already knew the answer, but it, it goes to my point, which is, there are no uh, real advocacy groups in Canada that have mm-hmm. any type of budget to have any type of staff to work on this on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think the only way that this is going to, to move forward uh, in having a strong advocacy voice in Canada is, of course, you're, you're always going to have the volunteers that are going to be helping you out. And we've had great volunteers in Canada across the country that have that have helped different organizations out. But you need somebody who has it as their job, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be working on this on a full time basis. And, and, and they need that budget. You need, yeah. I, I say, you know, you need somebody in Ottawa 
who who's going to be there that's going to be I, I would even put it as far as saying lobbying you know the government on, on behalf of all the advocacy efforts in in Canada so I, I think you know I, just my thought that you know maybe there should be a summit <laughs> of advocacy groups in Canada uh, to talk about uh, how to, to pool resources and, and make something uh, happen mm-hmm Oh, I completely agree. And in fact, um, this makes me think of the uh, space policy uh, symposium that took place was that last year, um, yeah. and, which was the first of its kind, as far as I know, in Canada. And it was unbelievable to me that that had never happened in Canada before. And it was so obviously such a valuable um, opportunity for these kinds of discussions to take place. Um, I completely agree with you that having a dedicated even just one person dedicated to coordinating um, advocacy efforts in Canada um, would make a big difference, especially to be able to bring together these different organizations. Someone who has a thorough knowledge of how politics work in Canada, how policy works, how the government works, and ha- but also have a bit of an arm's length um, distance from the government to be able to, to sort of speak freely. I think that that would be super valuable. The question is, you know, where does that come from? Is this something where the budgets of the existing space advocacy organizations could be pooled to support one person? Is that feasible? I don't know. But it is definitely something that uh, would be useful. So um, last year was actually the second uh, Canadian Space Policy Symposium. Right, Um, right. And it was organized by the Canadian Space Commerce Association. Um, uh, And uh, I'm hoping that there will be a third one this year, but I don't know because uh, the Canadian Space Commerce Association itself is um, facing a little bit of uncertainty at the moment uh, in terms of, uh, and it always has, in terms of its own funding. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just have to wait and see if anything uh, happens this fall. Um, All right, let's uh, just... Before we move com- on, can I comment one one more sure. thing on on this topic, um, which is just that um, I think the 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 unfortunate thing is that when an industry is struggling, like the Canadian space industry is, um, it you know you don't have as many resources available to support things like the Canadian Space Commerce Association, and so you lose your ability to effectively advocate. Like so, the industry can't advocate for itself if it's if it's not healthy enough to support that kind of work. So you kind of fall into this black hole almost of of not having the resources to advocate for resources. So I'm not sure that that's what's happening, but that is something that is um, is worth keeping an eye on because it's you know you don't want to see things just kind of deteriorate to the point that um, that there's no one to speak up for it anymore. Well, there is so we're, there is the Aerospace Industries Association of Canada, mm-hmm. which is the uh, primary industry group that's out there. Um, uh, but they cater to a certain uh, clientele, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a reason why the Canadian Space Commerce Association came about, and that was because the AIAC really wasn't uh, catering to the small business the, yeah. or new space and uh, so 
it was um, it was created. The problem, though, is that um, is that uh, you know the AIEC has been actually uh, supportive of the Canadian Space Commerce Association, but at the same time, um, you know. Members have been members, some companies have been members of both organizations, but the CSCA just hasn't been able to put together enough of a budget uh-huh. uh, to really make a, a strong go of it. Uh, uh-huh. and, and it's interesting to note that the AIAC has membership fees, but it is also supported by the government, whereas uh-huh. the CSCA is not supported by by the government. Um, but yes, I... Um, I think that uh, there definitely needs to be something done in terms of advocacy in Canada. Uh, and I'm happy the way, you know, that the Planetary Society is, is doing some things. But uh, we really need some of the other groups to, to step up and to, mm-hmm. and to, there needs to be, I think, in my opinion, a national coordinated effort. So let's talk a little bit more about the, the Planetary Society here, because I do have one bone to pick with them. Um, The Planetary Society is, of course, uh, an advocate for the exploration of the solar system and beyond. Uh, It, however, at times has not been a strong supporter of human exploration of the solar system. Um, Is that merely because of several years of NASA's science budget was getting smaller? Or is it just because, you know, they want to focus more on the robotic exploration? I would say that it's a combination of those things. I mean, the Planetary Society's origins were in defending the planetary science budget. So that is robotic exploration. Um, and that has always been our focus. You know, we've even, we have, a, we've tried to really narrow down our focus to be able to be effective rather than taking on all kinds of things. So we even, you know, we don't talk about um, uh, astronomy so much. We don't talk about cosmology, we're really focused on planetary science. So where human exploration overlaps with planetary science, we're interested in getting involved in that. Um, So for example, um, the Planetary Society kind of waded into the waters of human exploration with our Humans Orbiting Mars um, report, which provided some recommendations on on, on how how, NASA and international partners might approach the challenge of getting humans to Mars. And our recommendation was to start by first having a human mission to orbit the planet and um, perhaps uh, have landings on the moons of Mars and that kind of thing. So we, we get into this when it, when it impacts planetary science, but we really do try to just focus on planetary science because um, that I think is the, the best way to have a, a a real impact is to have that kind of concentration. Before you were at the Planetary Society, you spent three and a half years working with the uh, Space Generation Council, or, or I suppose you were doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the Space Generation Advisory Council, can you explain what it is and what you did for them and why they might want to get involved? Yes, absolutely. With pleasure. I am, I'm no longer a officially a representative of the Space Generation Advisory Council, but I'm still a member and I'm a huge, huge fan of their work. So um, so the, the Space Generation Advisory Council is a free organization for young people in the space community to join. So if you're 35 years old or younger and you're a student or a young professional or even just someone interested in space, you can join this organization and they provide opportunities for you to 
take on leadership roles, get more involved in your community, uh, interact with other people working and studying in, in the space field writ large around the world. Um, they provide scholarships to attend conferences. They organize their own um, Space Generation Congress, which takes place every year in conjunction with the International Astronautical Congress. Um, it's always in the same city and takes place, I think, usually just before IAC. And it's this fantastic opportunity to meet other young people who are working in space and doing completely different things than you are. So, you know, I, as a sort of education outreach communications person, you know, will be working at the, at the Space Generation Congress um, in a working group on space ethics where I'm interacting with um, law students and engineers and planetary scientists and people working in design and business, you know, every different element of the space sector is represented here. And it's from people, people from all over the world. And it's just a fantastic organization. So I was their um, national point of contact for Canada for, I think, I think, yeah, about three years. And um, that role was mostly just being sort of a point person for people in Canada who want to know more about the organization or who want to get involved um, uh, providing information about what's going on in the Canadian space community to Canadian members. Um, you know, they were meant to organize local events, and I honestly did not do as much of that as I should have, but um, really just did doing what I could to try to uh, build up the, uh, the SGAC community in Canada. Uh, I've actually uh, haven't participated in any of the space uh, generation advisory council uh, events, although I have uh, known people who have been involved, and it, there is, it certainly sounds like a, a great opportunity to meet uh, uh, young people uh, around the world who have uh, some of the same ideas, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and also meet leaders because there's a lot of mentorship that's involved with that, mm-hmm. um, and the and having it in coordination with the IAC every year that conferences is a great thing. Um, okay, so. Um, just a few more questions. Last summer, you were appointed by uh, Minister Baines to the Space Advisory Board. Um, I never did actually get the um, the full story as to as to how that happened. So, can you can you um, tell me a little bit? Because it was after the the original board was formed, mm-hmm. and then you came on board afterwards. So, how did that uh, happen that you were appointed to the board? So, I had applied originally at the time when they opened up the call for applications, um, but obviously was not selected at that time. But I think after having put together the board and then immediately gone right into this intensive period of consultations and then report writing, once that was passed, I think the minister and um, the board uh, had a chance to reflect and notice that there was a bit of a um, imbalance in the age distribution of the uh, of the board. So I think they wanted to add someone with this sort of youth perspective. Um, and uh, and I think also there was uh, an interest in adding a bit of a educational outreach, um, you know, public engagement um, strength to the board as well, because that is represented, but not as much as sort of more of the industry focus and that kind of thing. So I think it was those two elements that um, put me on their radar. Um, I think I'm not I'm not sure that this was I haven't heard from from um, I said or from the board that this was a reason as well. But I think it was um, a, 
an opportunity for them to signal that the board was going to continue being active um, even after those consultation processes. So to add a new person, you know, shows this is a this is a an organizer or a a group that is going to continue uh, having an impact and and having activities. So uh, and to follow up on that. Um... Uh, from what I understand, the Space Advisory Board holds uh, weekly telecons. Um, do you have anything new you can share with us? Um, well, the, the one thing I will say is that we are planning um, a meeting in person in Ottawa at the end of May. Um, and we're really focusing now on how to support, um, I said, in uh, advocating in the rest of government for this, you know, renewed uh, focus on space, a strategic focus on the space program, um, the development of a space strategy. So we're really working with the government to, con- to continue finding ways to get this message across to um, other cabinet ministers um, and to the prime minister's office that this is a really, really crucial priority for the whole of government. So we're, yes, that, that's it. And that meeting is is a is a space advisory board meeting mm-hmm. with government. It's not a public meeting. It's not a public meeting. It's right. a, it's it's just an opportunity for us rather than talking on the phone in a conference call, which I'm sure you know uh, is not often the most productive way of meeting. Yeah, of course. It's just an opportunity for us to kind of get together and really spend an entire day. Um, I think we're going to be hearing presentations from um, government um, departments to be to better inform our um, thinking. But it's mostly a sort of a, a planning session for us to um, to continue figuring out how best to move things forward. Well, that sounds interesting. Hopefully, there'll be something public that comes out of that just to say, hey, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're definitely aware that um, the space community is looking to us to uh, sort of try to make things happen and is in, always waiting to hear from us on you know what, what kind of progress is being made. So we're definitely very aware of the importance of kind of keeping keeping in touch with uh, the stakeholders that we've been engaging with so far. All right. So getting back to the Planetary Society and talking about the budget, shortly after the budget was announced, Prime Minister Trudeau sat down with Bill Nye for an event in Ottawa to talk about the importance of science and how it was being supported big time in the budget. Um, I have to say, though, I have nothing against Bill Nye, but I wasn't pleased that the prime minister was sitting down with somebody who wasn't Canadian. Yes. In my opinion, the prime minister's office should have found somebody Canadian to do the event. But regardless of this, what really caught my attention was some of the not so subtle mentions about the support or lack of for uh, the space program by the government. Was that planned or was that just Bill winging it? No, that was entirely planned. Um, you know, Bill was invited. I, I, I agree with you that choosing a Canadian um, science communicator or some kind of Canadian public figure would probably have been a better move. But, um, you know, Bill does have uh, a huge appeal in Canada and elsewhere. And so I understand um, Trudeau's desire to kind of uh, mobilize that appeal to to get the message out about this new budget. Um but yeah, we, he was invited as Bill Nye the Science Guy, not Bill Nye the Planetary Society Guy, but we really saw this as an opportunity to push a message for space. So I sat down with Bill before his meeting with Trudeau and really 
made sure he was completely um, up to speed on everything going on in Canadian space policy and um, really where uh, we need to push for more focus, more attention from the federal government. Um, and I was really happy to hear him bring those things up with um, Prime Minister Trudeau, not only at that public event, but at a private sit down meeting with the two of them before the public event. Um, I think it was a really, really um, unique and important opportunity for um, you know any kind of representative of the space community to get uh, a chance to to talk to you know the person at the highest level about the the real importance of supporting the space communities, the space industry, um, and our, our future in space. So I was really, really happy with that opportunity, even though it was an American, not one of our own. <laughs> Nothing against Americans or Bill Nye. It was just <laughs> sure. in this particular instance, it would have been better as a Canadian. But I have to say, though, that um, um, uh, one of my readers uh, actually uh, put me onto it because I actually hadn't seen, uh, watched the video or watched it live because it was live streamed. Uh, but then when I did watch it, I picked up on it right away. And uh, unfortunately, though, and this is always the case in Canada, uh, mainstream media did not mm -hmm. pick up on it. Uh, basically, it was just myself. Um, yeah. And uh, nothing came of it. And unfortunately, they all focused on his comments about Kinder Morgan. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. So what can, what can you do? Um, yeah. Okay. And this, this is a partly a result of Bill being you know, he's, he is uh, very committed to the Planetary Society and the work we do, but he's also his own person and he's extremely committed to um, climate change and, um, you know, battling that. So when he has opportunities like this to bring that conversation to the table, he absolutely does, as much as we would love him to exclusively talk about space all the time. All right. Let's end with a couple questions about you. Okay. What's in your future? Oh, that's a great question. Um, right now, I'm working on a master's degree at Concordia University in um, educational theory. I'm very, very interested in um, how educational, um, uh, uh, sorry, let me say that again, I'm very interested in how education can impact people's relationship with science um, and how that can that can trickle down to affect um, how people vote, how people act as consumers, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of the, you know, public understanding of science is very important to me. I'd like to continue working in that field. I'm very happy that in my work with the Planetary Society, that's a big part of what I do is, you know, working to uh, increase people's love of science and, and people's acceptance of science as something relevant to them. I think space is a great tool for that. So I, you know, I anticipate continuing to work for the Planetary Society for the foreseeable future. They're a wonderful, wonderful organization to work with. Um, aside from that, I don't know. There's a, there, I'm still very much at the beginning of my career, I feel. Um, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> is there a Canadian version of the Planetary Society website? No, there isn't. We... When we first started exploring, um, you know, what we might do in Canada, the decision was made pretty early on that we weren't going to sort of split off and, um, you know, have separate uh, separate organizations or separate boards of directors or separate websites, that kind of thing. We do have a uh, we have Facebook pages for a lot of our local outreach groups, which are volunteer run. And if you sort of Google um, or look in Facebook at Planetary Society, you'll see a lot of those listed there. You can also see them uh, listed at our on our website. Um, 
but no, it, we, we try to just keep everything together as much as possible within our one big site. Okay. Last question. Uh, usually a fun question because I just started this with my last podcast. Um, what uh, space books, fiction or nonfiction, are you reading or what good books are you reading of any kind? Ah, um, so that's a great question. Um, I Can I actually take this opportunity to plug a book that I have recently published? Sure. So it's not going to be coming out in Canada until this fall, but um, it's a coffee table book all about the coolest things about space. It is written in um, uh, very casual and uh, quite um, inappropriately um, sweary language, but intended to reach people who think that maybe they're too cool for science or who think that um, science isn't really accessible to them. So it's just part of this ongoing uh, effort to, to kind of win more people over to uh, to the team. So it's called Space is Cool as uh, Bleep. It's a F word and uh, it's coming out. It's um, from uh, Lost the Plot is the publisher. It's going to be coming out in Canada and the U.S., um, in, uh, the fall, but it's already available in Australia. So if people want to Google that, uh, that I would love it. Um, but aside from that, um, one of my, uh, favorite space books that I've read, uh, ever is, um, Seven Eves by, uh, I think it's by Neil Stevenson. I'm just going to double check that. Yeah. I, I read that, uh, a few months ago. Yeah. Great yes. book. Yeah, Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson is one of the most satisfying books I've ever read as a space enthusiast. It, uh, it kind of gives you that fantasy while also being so accurate. They, I mean, it's so thoroughly researched. Um, I would recommend that to anybody who's interested in space, absolutely. I, I won't give away any of the plot in the book, but it's definitely uh, a page turner. And uh, are they going to make that into a movie? I would not be surprised. It's just absolute um, perfect fodder for something like that. Yeah, I, I thought I had read something about that, and that would be uh, definitely a Hollywood blockbuster because there are definitely mm -hmm. some um, <laughs> interesting things that happen in there. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, okay, okay. so 70s. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube Podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode if you send me a comment by email i'll write back to you as soon as i can on twitter you can follow us at canada in space and if you use facebook you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page the space Q. if you like the show please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app